Hello and welcome to my podcast on legal issues when a child self-places. I'm Catherine Samuels, Director of Child Protection at DCJ Legal. I've been working as a solicitor for 20 years and have over 15 years experience working in child protection law and practice. I'm an accredited specialist in children's law. There's more information about me on my bio slide on this PowerPoint presentation that accompanies the podcast. I'd like to start by acknowledging the traditional custodians of this land and recognise their continuing connection to land, waters and community. I pay my respects to the elders, past, present and emerging, and I extend my respect to my Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander colleagues and those who may be listening to this podcast. It is important to remember that children have a legal right to be heard and to participate in significant decisions impacting their lives. This right is enshrined in the Children and Young Persons Care and Protection Act 1998 and in the United Nations Conventions on the Rights of the Child in Article 12. This right is also set out in the Charter of Rights for Children in Out-of-Home Care. A child self-placing is a powerful message and you need to meet with the child and listen to the child in an attempt to address the child's worries, concerns, wishes and goals and to try to meet the child's needs. The paramount concern in, in these situations and always is the safety, welfare and well-being of the child. In this podcast, I'm going to cover the law that applies when a child self-places, the legal risks and issues, your agency's responsibilities and the legal options. I'll finish off with some tips and a brief summary. During this podcast, when I refer to a child or children, I'm talking about children under 18. The main legislation that applies in these cases is the Children and Young Persons Care and Protection Act and the Children and Young Persons Care and Protection Regulations. When a child self-places, the child is normally under the parental responsibility of the minister in out-of-home care with authorised foster carers under final orders of the Children's Court. In the majority of these cases, the court will have made a finding that there is no realistic possibility of the child being restored to the care of his or her parents. In these situations, the child is considered to be in statutory out-of-home care. Of course, in cases where the court has found that there is a realistic possibility of the child being restored to their parents' care and there is a restoration plan in place, there is usually no problem with the child self-placing with that parent. In those cases, the child can be lawfully restored to the care of their parent within 12 months of the court-approved restoration date. However, where the court has found there is no realistic possibility of the child being restored to their parent, the parent cannot be authorised as a carer for their child. It is a criminal offence for a person other than an authorised carer to provide statutory out-of-home care or foster care to a child. The maximum penalty is a fine of $22,000 and this fine can be imposed on both an individual and an agency.
it is also unlawful to place a child in the care of their parent in these cases. And a parent cannot be given care responsibility for their child. Care responsibility means the daily care and control of the child. It includes things like consenting to minor medical treatment, dental treatment, enrolling a child in school, giving permission to participate in activities, attend school events and excursions, and to correct and manage the child's behaviour. Authorised foster carers hold care responsibility for the children in their care. Designated agencies, like your agency, are responsible for supervising the child in their placement with an authorised carer. Where a child self-places with a parent, your agency will hold both care responsibility for the child and supervisory responsibility or case management of that child. This is because a parent cannot be given care responsibility for their child when a court has found there is no realistic possibility of the child being restored to their care. As well as the risks that your agency may be breaking the law by leaving a child in an unlawful placement and the risks of fines and criticism by the court, there are other risks involved when a child self-places. These risks include that the child may be at risk of harm and that the child may be actually harmed or injured while in that placement. And your agency is likely to be held responsible for any harm that comes to the child when they're in unlawful placement. You therefore need to act urgently to assess the child's safety and any risks to the child when they self-place. You also need to ensure that you are doing whatever you can to support the child meet their needs and keep them as safe as possible while they remain in that placement and while you consider options with the child for a safe, lawful placement. There are a number of important factors to consider when a child self-places. Most importantly, you need to prioritise the safety, welfare and well-being of the child above all else you need to urgently assess the child's safety and any risks to the child. Consider the age of the child and their capacity to care for themselves and keep themselves safe. For instance, older children, such as 16 or 17-year-olds, may be able to remain safely where they are while you develop a transition plan to move for them to move into independent living. If the child has self-placed with a parent, assess and consider restoration. Is this going to be a realistic possibility? Is the child going to be safe in the parent's care? If so, seek approval to change the child's case plan goal to restoration and promptly arrange for a Section 90 application to be prepared. The Section 90 application will need to seek the court's leave or permission to apply to rescind the finding 
of no realistic possibility of restoration of the child to their parents' care and to vary the orders to a short-term court order for restoration. If the child has self-placed with someone else or that is not a parent, or if you assess there is no realistic possibility of the child being safely restored to the care of their parent, think about whether there's another appropriate adult to be authorised that can be authorised to care for the child. This could be in the form of an, an emergency provisional authorisation of a relative, kin or another person known to the child. Talk to the child about people who the child would be happy to live with. As I mentioned at the outset, when a child self-places, your agency retains responsibility for the care of the child, including ensuring the child is safe and their needs are being met. This includes their physical needs and psychological and emotional needs and practical things like their health, schooling, social activities, contact with relatives, kin and significant people. All those things need to continue. You must urgently attend the home where the child is living to assess their safety and any risks to the child. As I mentioned before, it's, in really, it's really important that you talk to the child, listen to the child and include them in the decisions that are being made about them, where, they're to, where they are to live and their future. If the child is unsafe, then you need to do your best to work with the child to get them to a safe placement or if this is not possible, you need to do what you can to make them as safe as possible where they are. You must also promptly notify the, the, the department that the child is away from their placement. You also need to assess the adults in the household with the child, including any parent and any other adults, to inform your risk assessment and, and child safety. If you have reasonable grounds to suspect that the child is at risk of significant harm, you must make a report to the Child Protection Helpline. This can be done by making an e-report through, through the Child Story Reporter or calling the helpline on 132111. Where a court has previously found there's no realistic possibility of restoration of their child to their parent, a Section 90 application needs to be brought to rescind that finding before you can give the parent care responsibility for their child. You need to continue intensive casework while ever the child is an un, in an unlawful placement. I'll now talk through some of the legal options that are available in these situations. As well as bringing a Section 90 application to the Children's Court, which is an application to rescind or discharge a previous finding and to seek different care orders, there are other legal options that you can consider in these situations. These include um, if a child is at risk 
of serious harm and at immediate risk of serious harm, the department or the police can exercise their emergency removal powers under Section 43 of the CARE Act. You should call the police if you have reasonable grounds to suspect that the child has been or is at risk of being abused or assaulted or exposed to serious domestic violence. Um, this, may, this would indicate that a criminal offence is being committed. There may also be grounds for the police to also take out an apprehended violence order to protect the child. If the child is at risk of serious harm, the police or the department can also apply for a warrant to enter the premises where the child is living and remove the child using reasonable force where necessary. The department also has power to issue an order under Section 232 of the CARE Act directing that the child be returned to the care responsibility of the minister. Once an order under Section 232 has been issued, if the person who has the child doesn't comply with the order and return the child to the care of the minister, then the department or the police have grounds to apply for a warrant to search for and remove that child and return the child to the care of the minister. As I mentioned previously, if you think there's a realistic possibility of the child being restored to their parent, it's very important that a Section 90 application is brought without delay. You should also start, in those situations, you should also start actively gathering evidence in support of the application. This should include evidence of your assessment of the, of the parent and any supports and services provided and referrals made to the parent for the purpose of supporting them to address any parenting concerns or issues and to improve their capacity to safely care for and protect their child. Include evidence of action that the parent has already taken to improve their parenting capacity and to address the issues that led to the child's removal. If the child is self-placed with another adult who's not their parent, or if you assess the child cannot be safely restored to their parent's care, consider in talking to, with the child whether another adult known to the child or a relative or kin acceptable to the child can be provisionally authorised, so that's authorised in an emergency to care for the child under Clause 31 of the regulations. I'm now going to provide you with a few tips that I hope will help you in these really, really challenging situations. Keep in mind that you only need to bring the matter back to court if you're seeking a different order for the care of the child and or you're seeking to rescind or discharge the finding of no realistic possibility of restoration to a parent that the court has previously made. You need, to, you need evidence if you're going to bring the matter back to court to seek a different order. 
But as I've said a number of times, don't delay bringing a Section 90 application. You don't need to have all of the evidence in support to be able to file your Section 90 application. You can continue to gather your evidence after the Section 90 is being filed. Given that the child is an unlawful placement and that you're going to be seeking a new order, you need to bring that application as soon as possible. If you don't, there's a risk that the court will criticise uh, your agency and or the department for failing to promptly bring an application to the court. If you have no evidence to support restoration of the child to the parent's care and you're not seeking a different order, you need to work quickly and hard to find a safe alternative for the care of the child. Consider developing a family action plan with the family to help address the risks of the child, risk the risks to the child while the child is in this placement. If the child is older, consider whether the child can remain where they are living with your support and with your help to transition the child to independent living so they can be caring for themselves and protecting themselves and keeping themselves safe. While ever the child is in an unlawful placement, you need to continue intensive casework with the child, including regular home visits and continue to provide care for the child, meet their needs and do whatever you can to keep the child safe. Read the PSP Learning Hub fact sheet that's called Things to Consider if a Child Self-Places. That's got some great, um, great information and really good casework suggestions and tips, so that's a really good resource. The PowerPoint presentation accompanying this podcast is also a helpful resource. In summary... It's important to remember that your agency is still responsible for the safety, welfare and care of a child who self-places. You must urgently assess the child's safety and any risk to the child in any situation like this. It's important that you engage in intensive casework with the child and attempt to return the child to a safe, authorised placement. If you are unable to successfully return the child to an, to an authorised placement, continue intensive casework to keep the child as safe as possible while you consider the options. As I've mentioned during this podcast, some of these options including, include seeking different orders in the children's court, such as restoration, a warrant to remove the child from an unsafe situation, provisional authorisation of a person known to the child or a relative or kin, and supporting an older child to remain where they are and transition to independent living. Thank you very much for your time listening to this podcast. I hope it has been helpful. For further information on resources in this or other PSP practice areas, contact the PSP Learning Hub at psplearninghub at curio.com.au or telephone 1300 777 482 and that email address and telephone number are on your PowerPoint. Thank you very much.
Goodbye. <laughs>